Our founder and CEO, Richard Wilson, everybody. Thank you, round of applause. Great. Thank you, Andres. I hope everybody enjoyed lunch. I'm now gonna talk about what we hear over and over again over the past 12 years at our events is that families don't invest in one out of every 10 deals they see. They don't invest in one out of every 50 or even out of every one out of 100 deals they see. It's really one out of every 300 or 400 or 500. Many families see hundreds of deals a year and they close one or two deals per quarter. I know there was uh, one investor meeting that just happened outside where they might place a $35 million allocation, but they might be only making four of those investments uh, over the entire year, but it's a big investment. So I wanna talk about this, because I was thinking, what could I share that I haven't focused specifically on enough at our events that would appeal to everybody in the room? It doesn't matter if you're a private equity fund, a real estate developer, uh, or a private investor, and it's this very topic. So I found that if you meet with a private investor and they do not have any deal flow, the very fact that they're seeing one deal is an anomaly in itself because they're not used to seeing deal flow. They're not used to being able to invest in a private company. And so if you're working with somebody who you meant at the golf club and they're worth $5 million and they only get two investment options per year, they might think both look pretty good because it's pretty exciting compared to the stock market or it's exciting compared to uh, just working day to day running their business or working as a professional. Uh, if you're working with a family office that gets thousands of deals, their definition of an anomaly is going to be very different. And then there's family offices and investors that are all in between. So many of you know the Family Office Club already, but probably about a third of the room, this is your first event ever with us, so thank you for joining us. So there's no confusion. As a member, you get access to all 32 events per year as a premium member, and it doesn't cost you anything extra to come to our events. And nine of them are investor summits like this. 20 of them are very fast-paced training workshops, just like the one we had at the Raffles Hotel in Singapore about two and a half weeks ago. And every year we're in San Francisco, London, New York, Miami, Dallas, uh, Singapore, et cetera. So the first point I wanted to make with anomaly deal flow is that if you think you have good deal flow and you just start investing in that, that might stop you from getting great deal flow. You might say, you might say like one of my friends had an exit to a publicly traded company for $50 million and he said, oh, we're seeing pretty good deal flow. We've probably seen 40 deals over the past three years. But if you talk to a lot of family offices, they see that many deals you know, per week or per month. It's not all about quantity, of course. It's all about figuring out what your strike zone is as a family office or a private equity group or a private investor, and then getting more quantity within that quality circle, figuring out what are the overlapping attributes that make a good quality deal and maximizing the quantity in there. And there's no way that you are not going to make better investment decisions if you're able to review 200 deals that are all in self-storage, all in the state of Florida, versus looking at two. You're not going to be able to see what's a good apple, bad apple. You won't be able to see the blemishes, which is more aligned, which is more credible. So by very definition, to get anomaly deal flow, you have to get a lot of deal flow. And in all of 2019, the only family office that told me we do not need more deal flow at all, certified true, was uh, somebody from the team of Mark Cuban's family office that reached out to me cold because of our media assets and our event in Dallas a few months ago. And they said, no, we have portfolio companies. We might co-invest with their families within our portfolio companies, but we don't need more deal flow. Every other person 
uh, including, including Grant Cardone, including Kevin Harrington, including every one of the 75 investors you see on stage here today and tomorrow, they all want more deal flow. Not a single one of them was paid a speaking fee. They're here to get deals done. And that's the whole point of the Family Office Club. So this is uh, relevant for all those reasons. And Jim Collins is famous in his book, Good to Great, of saying that good is the enemy of great. And I think a lot of people do have good deal flow, but they don't realize that it's not that good compared to family offices who have great deal flow. So I kind of want to open everyone's eyes to that, that it could be much, much better. And sometimes, you know, and they go through some attributes of really good deal flow and opportunities so you can identify them more quickly and just share examples of this here over the next 10 minutes. So first of all, what, is, what does the word anomaly really mean? Uh, it's basically saying that it is not average, it's not one standard deviation away, it's three standard deviations away, it's literally 0.3% of what you're seeing. And that's why I like to use that term, because uh, again and again on stage, uh, we hear, and sometimes it can sound kind of depressing for someone trying to get a deal done, oh yeah, we look at hundreds of deals and we only do a few. But that's the whole point of the family office clubs. You can follow up and make a real relationship. You can come to the workshops, learn new strategies, and learn from each other. You might learn things from each other at a workshop or at a lunch or during cocktails today from someone else that's doing something similar or access deals from them that's more powerful than anything you hear on stage. So it's part of you know, learning from peers and the investors in the room. Who cares about getting more deal flow? Well, if you're in investor relations, then you should care because if your deal flow is excellent enough, you could get referrals to your deal from somebody who's never even invested with you before, but they hear what you do and it's so unique and it's so focused and so credible that they're fine introducing you to their father or to their friend or to their family office executive that they've known since they went to school. And I've seen that happen many times over. And so if the deal is so good that that is happening, then you know you have something and that is an anomaly type deal. It's one of the reasons why people like to work off of referrals. They don't have time to tell you about everything they're doing, but if they're most excited about one or two ideas, that might be a deal which is a one out of 300. Some reactions you wanna get when you're looking at a deal or if you're telling yourself that you're, you're saying this to yourself is, I've never seen that before, or wow, how does that work and you wanna learn more, or we wish everybody offered this. Uh, with one of the billion dollar plus family offices on stage here, he's a client of mine. We were on a call uh, three days ago and he said those exact words. He said, I've never seen, in 20 years, I've never seen someone with this type of debt structure and I think it's excellent and it's no wonder that you're at 55 million EBITDA this year and you're only at 25 million EBITDA 18 months ago. And they're just, they're just growing very rapidly. It's because of those types of you know, reactions is what you're trying to aim for. Here's 10 attributes uh, that can help you identify anomaly deal flow when you're networking here today or help assess out of everything you're doing, what are other people perceiving as a true anomaly, a true special opportunity to invest and not just average or basic. The first one is that it can't be common. By very definition, it has to be the opposite of common. But I think a warning here is it's not just unique for being unique sake. If you don't know your market, know what your competitors are doing, know what your investor complaints are, and then know where the market is trending and going towards, you might be unique in a way that nobody cares about. You wanna be unique in a way that's different than competitors and aligned with what your investors are wanting. And the second thing that's an attribute is superior alignment. It doesn't have to be performance only fees, but it should be that you're not making money while your investor still hasn't made any money and it should be transparent, and it should be that you're paid handsomely uh, if things do go very well. 
I think family offices are perceived as cheap sometimes because they negotiate down fees and people say, you're worth $400 million. Why do you care if my retainer is 5,000 a month versus 10,000 a month? But the thing is they haven't gotten rich by being foolish with their money and they don't want to pay the price of a Rolls Royce and get a Honda Civic with no air conditioning. It's not about the price of the Rolls Royce. It's like a normal mass affluent person staying at the Ritz Carlton for two nights is equal to them buying a Ritz Royce, uh, a Rolls Royce. So. Um, I think that's something to keep in mind. They're not cheap, they just want to have the value aligned with what they're doing. Uh, the next thing is to always have a compelling team. There's never an anomaly deal that has a bad team unless you're in the distressed workout area and you're looking for horrible teams with a great product and you can acquire all their IP. That would maybe be the one scenario, but otherwise the team has to be amazing or excellent or it doesn't even matter what the pitch is. That's why earlier today I said when people run around with their IRRs and say, oh, it's a great return or it's low risk or worse yet, they say it's no risk then the family officers are a little bit on their heels of like, okay, but what's the context of all this? Because none of that matters if I don't trust you and trust that your team is aligned with your strategy and that's aligned with the market trends and aligned with what we want to do. And I think it's that integrity of all those things, the integration of all that is what's powerful. And the more integration or integrity there is, then the better you'll do in the marketplace and the more that you'll be able to move forward. That's one reason uh, we try to, everything that I say on stage at our workshops or you know, at this point right now are things that we're doing and these are all ideas that we try to live and we try to use. You can see that uh, in our marketing, you can see that in our operations with uh, our millionaire advisor division. We help private investors. We don't charge any consulting fees, no asset management fees. We just take a little 5 to 10% carry on deals they do through us and if one loses money, they don't get charged any fees on any other deals over years or across deals. So we only get paid when they're making money over the medium to long term. And that's an example of just listening to what investors complain about and want and trying to design a model to fit that to show you that I'm not just trying to make up 10 PowerPoint slides to kill some time because uh, of some technical failure or something. So had enough of those for today. Uh, dominating a niche is a common uh, deal flow attribute. Uh, a lot of families have created their wealth through dominating a niche area, so they understand that strategy. Uh, which could be owning intellectual property or otherwise, or just a very focused uh, private equity or real estate strategy. It's much more credible to say, we are a lower middle market private equity fund that only invests in consumer product companies that are profitable and do at least a million in revenue, but are based in Southern California. It's credible to think maybe you've got that mapped out for yourself and you kind of know who the players are there versus saying we're a lower middle market private equity fund and you know, we invest in companies globally and then they look at how large your team is and it's only eight professionals and you're competing against you know, Apex and $20 billion plus private equity funds, it's hard to make that credible pitch. And I learned that when you know, I started my business by just sharing information online about family offices as I was meeting with them and I kind of accidentally got on the front page of the Boston Globe and then bought familyoffices.com and spoke many times and that really came from me having a frustration of having a global macro hedge fund manager client, but they had a very small team. They had six people on the team and we were competing against global macro hedge funds that had people that were born and raised in China and have spoke Mandarin since birth. They're going to probably know China better than a hedge fund who says, oh, we've been to China twice and here's our thesis on it. It's not as convincing. It's not as credible. It's not focused enough. Best in class or number one in something. One thing I like to say a lot is you need to be number one in something for a very specific someone. And then that is how you get them to lean forward because you're hitting them between the eyes with value. Somebody 
an investor from Spain was asking me how I started the Family Office Club, and I said, really, I just, I got a little bit lucky that I was sharing thought leadership, because it turns out the ultra-wealthy don't like responding to a lot of sales messages. They want to meet the person, but if they have a migraine, they want to reach out and get an Excedrin. They don't care about any of the other vitamins or medicine on the, on the counter at that very moment in time. During that month or quarter, they might look at other things, but if you can be the thing they reach out to and grab when they want that leverage or that help, then that's a way to build relationships. Uh, the next part here uh, has great momentum. So identifying a r rising tide, figuring out what's inevitable, and if the deal is related to that, uh, it's much more likely to be some sort of anomaly deal. If it just seems boring when you listen to it or you've heard it 500 times, it's not an anomaly deal. Every deal that you hear that's an anomaly should be exciting to learn about and make you lean forward. Uh, it also should not be confusing. It really can't be confusing and be exciting at the same time. These are some examples. I'm not going to read off each one because the slides are going to be in the thank you email. Um, but just one example is a uh, uh, company that had a $100 million valuation by a CEO, built it from scratch. He's now building the same exact company from scratch a second time, but now he has a majority equity share instead of a minority, and he's much more motivated. And he's done the exact same business model. That's rare. Usually people have just parallel experience. Another example is a... Uh, income investment uh, model, but it, it is backed by the credibility and collateral of a 50 million EBITDA plus company. They make their monthly distributions, like we heard on stage. Grant said, you know, investors love that. Another example are I've done three gross revenue royalty investments, and we just closed an investment with our healthcare client two weeks ago, structuring it as a gross revenue royalty in consumer product companies. Uh, that's very unique. And on stage in 12 years, one investor in London has brought up gross revenue royalty structures while doing deals. Maybe others are doing them, but it's really not talked about much. So it's unique to find that type of an opportunity. And the last example I'll give is um, a group which is uh, here today, and they had 500 million in AUM uh, when I met them three and a half years ago, and I met with them for two hours after one of our events, and I said, I've never seen someone do what you're doing, and I think it's going to go amazingly well. They were a true anomaly in my mind, and right now they're at over $2 billion in assets just three and a half years later, and they're raising $250, $300 million a year in their model because they're in a focused geographical area, good quality assets, good team, but they also have a unique fee structure and that they're not offering a management fee or performance fees. They take an equity bump, they put in their 10%, take an equity bump, and then they just ride along with the investor. And everyone says, why don't you charge me a 10% carry on the back? Everybody does. We don't care if you do. They said, we don't want to stop raising $300 million a year. No one else is offering our model. So that's the type of stuff that I try to look for, uh, and I thought that'd be useful to share with the audience here for your own funds, for your own investment management portfolios, for you as a private investor, of just how do you only work on the white space, the true anomaly opportunities, and you know to everything else, so you have the time and energy to really double down on where that empty space is, where it's not overly crowded. So here's a picture of my team. Um, we have about 1,000 speakers that we've had on stage in the last 12 years. We have done 130 live events and met well over 2,500 family offices in person, uh, in 15 different countries. So. I'm glad that you're here today. I hope you can consume uh, some of the four or five books I've written on family offices, our most recent one called Sent to Millionaire Strategies. You'll get those in the thank you email as well. And please use my team as a resource. One thing that almost everybody ignores and forgets to use is that as a member, you can submit your materials every single quarter, every three months from whenever you submitted them last, and we'll read every word of them and give you two to four pages of feedback. And here's what I would change. Here's 20 different suggestions. 
And then you might not like a few of our suggestions, maybe a few won't be practical, but there'll be five or 10 ideas in there that you can implement right away. And then three months later, you can submit your materials again. And that gets you more value of your membership at no cost. It also allows us to get to know you. And it really, through clients of pitchdex.com and really through those capital raising audits, we call them, through the membership portal, that's how things get into our brain of it's not just uh, a shaking of a hand as we walk out the door and then I sort of put a face with a name. It's really, we've read all your materials. Now we can keep you in mind. If there's someone else to you know, joint venture with here or an investor to connect you with, you know, it helps us add more value and know who our members are at a really deep level. So I'd encourage everybody to use that membership benefit. It helps us and it helps you and will help things move forward. And family offices want you to have this advice and feedback. That's why they share it on the stage because it makes their life more efficient when you use these strategies and use things like a one-liner, et cetera. So here's the calendar. You can always get this at familyoffices.com. Uh, so please look there for the updated schedule. These are our events just through the first half of next year. So we have 32 events in nine different cities next year. Wherever you're based, you're probably doing business in one of the cities where we're hosting events. So I'd love to see you at at least one event per quarter. Uh, some people like to come to one and a half or two events per quarter on average. So I'd love to see you there. And thank you for your time and attention at the event. Uh, we're going to get moving through the agenda now, and I'll welcome uh, Andres back up as our afternoon MC. So thanks for being with us here today.